Hello and welcome to another episode of Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host, Alan Wyma. Today we are back with our good friend, Victor. Victor, the creator of ServerPod. How have you been? I've been well, well, thank you. Thanks for having me back on your show. Yes, yes. You're one of the few returning guests, right? We don't have a lot, but um, I think, of course, the ones that we bring back is people that we really like and they have more to share than just the initial topic, right? But this is kind of an update on ServerPod, as we talked about. Yeah. So I guess a lot of happened since we spoke last time. Uh, so it's more of a complete product. We have a whole bunch of people actually using it now, and we're getting ready for a 1.0 release in January. So I'm super excited about that. Yeah, so, I mean, um, it, it's kind of good that, I think with, how do I say this? There's kind of a lot to say because ServerPod is kind of like battle tested against, uh, you're working at, um, uh, it's called Buzz, right? I, I forgot the full name. Yeah, so um, uh, th that's one startup here. I, I'm based in Stockholm and so are they. So they used ServerPod to build their app. We, they have actually done a little bit of a pivot uh, and it's now a really cool tool for developers. So it's um, basically, um, connects with GitHub and Slack and the different tools you use as a developer. And then it basically helps you connect your team if you're working on a on a project. So you can see, you know, the pull requests you need to review and it lives in your menu bar on your Mac. Um, so it's very easy to, to get to it and you directly see like the list, list of tasks that you have for your day and what your teammates are up to and stuff like that. So. Uh, I think they did a really good job, and it's all using ServerPod and you know the real-time capabilities of ServerPod. Um, yeah, so I mean, uh, it's free to check out. So uh, go to joinbus.com/devs uh, if you want to try it out. I think it's pretty cool and, and a great example of what you can do with ServerPod. Sorry. I forgot what the heck my question was because I'm running late. So uh, I, for, for you guys at home or if you're watching the show, I'm a little bit, uh, what do you call it, um, scrambling around because I had a meeting that ran half hour over than it should have. So I didn't have the time to hook up everything and made poor Victor wait and everybody who wanted to watch the live stream wait. So I think we, we used to have four people waiting and then we went down to two. So I'm guessing two people got frustrated and left and I apologize. <laughs> it's my fault. I'm sure they'll listen in later. Yeah, no, I hope that they, they come back and, and they forgive me. But yeah, sometimes life is like that. It, if only everything worked the way it should work, then life would just be much easier. But then it wouldn't be fun, right? It's 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 kind of fun to, to throw, you know, challenges at yourself, right? I mean, you basically threw right. quite a big project because we had Aqueduct, right? And then that one went defunct, uh, yeah. sadly. And then you stepped up and started working on ServerPod. And I think you realized you probably had a lot of, issues in the beginning like oh how do i do this how do i do that this kind of thoughts kind of came up i think right yeah right so i think uh for a project like serapod the sort of basics are not that difficult but then they're all the little quirks and you know things that <clears throat> may not work exactly as you like it they're like sub subtle differences between uh, flutter on the web for instance and how that works with communication and what you use uh, with dart io uh, so uh, a lot of the work has just been to overcome all these issues and basically if you're like a connection that's connected all the time detect when that goes down and be able to reconnect and that 
will work a little bit different on actually the web and um, uh, in apps or native code. Uh, so there have been a lot of um, those kind of things that I didn't quite foresee when I started the serverpod project. You think you have everything working and then you throw something new on it like uh, Flutter Web or um, things like, I guess, just updates to different packages. Also, a little bit of a challenge to keep up with all the authentication libraries and stuff like that. Yeah, and and, and actually the... Well, I guess you didn't run into this problem, right? I, I talked to. Do you do you play around with Rust or no? I have not. No. Okay. There's very basically everybody, like how everybody builds upon Shelf for their HTTP solution. Yeah. Everybody builds upon Hyper for. Okay. For for Rust, right? Uh, similar to like you know Rack for Ruby to a certain extent. And um, the guy who wrote Hyper, we were having a conversation and he was just talking about how complicated everything is because if you read the spec, it say it should do, something should do this, but it's not always doing that. So you have a lot of kind of uh, like digital duct tape everywhere, kind of handling all these weird cases that are, yeah, uh, you know, the, 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 the unstandard standard, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of... Um... That sort of research that you need to do, you need to get into um, actually reading the source code for for Flutter or for the different packages you're working with, and many times you actually have to, you know, modify them and send pull requests to the maintainers that hope they include it in the um, real um, library. So, isn't I think there's a term for that? That's called yak shaving, right? Where you try to do one thing, and then you end up doing other things that aren't the thing that you wanted to do initially, right? Right. So, but I, I, I figured, I mean, it's a win for the whole community, right? For anyone who wants to use Dart as a server language, uh, doing those contributions. And uh, that's kind of what I like with the open source community. It's uh, so many people helping out. I, I got some great additions to ServerPod from people in the community. I mean, they must spend months on some of those uh, changes that they've made uh, and you know many times they're not it's not possible to just take them and they will work but it's um, it can be a great push in the right direction and uh, also you know uh, worth the work of getting them integrated into the product which makes it much better um, so I'm super thankful to everyone that's contributed to ServerPod it's a whole bunch of people now and they're like updates coming almost every day. So that's really cool to see. So it's no longer just you kind of doing a lot of the work. Now you have you have your fans out there that are pushing features and fixing bugs, etc. right? Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm actually building a whole team with like full-time developers around ServerPod. Uh, so I, um, I have funding now. I can't go too much into the details, but uh, there's money to, to drive this project forward. Uh, there will be much more information together with a actual one that will release uh, when that's coming. So I, I can't give away all all of that right now. But um, uh, yeah. So if there's someone out there who want to, you know, tag along and be full time on the ServerPod team and are a great Dart Flutter developer, I'd love to speak with you. Basically, doing a little shout out here. <laughs> a call for action, right? No, I, I. I... 
I think didn't you confuse me initially as a as an investor? I think I think that was you, right? Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Yeah, I, I remember it was somebody. I talked to a couple people and they were talking about investment, and so I think it's you and somebody else did this to me also. I don't, is it my name or something? Yeah, I mean your name is very very similar to one of my investors' names. So <laughs> even the last name is similar. Yeah, I think so. Wow. So that, that's why I confused you because I I mean I've been speaking with a lot of investors, so okay, I thought it was one of one of them that wrote to me when you asked me for for like an update. <laughs> and then I realized okay. right when I answered you, like, oh no, that's <laughs> that's the other guy. Yeah, yeah, you're the flutter guy. That was a, a while ago. <laughs> I'm not not the money guy. I'm the flutter guy. Okay, well, yeah, that, it's good to hear that my name is associated with that. But it's it's kind of funny. I I don't know. Like, I wonder if he also has a similar phone number as me because a couple of years ago I got I kept getting calls to like do investment, and I was like, what is this? And then and then they were calling me and. Um, they were like, uh, hi, sir. We'd like to know if you want to buy this uh, NBA team. Uh, I forgot the name of the team. I think I still have the voicemail somewhere on my Google voice number. I was like, this is very weird. Like, there must be somebody who has a phone number very similar to mine because I get very weird calls about attending like political business luncheons where they're like, oh, this, this dinner, we want, this lunch, we want to invite you with this $40,000 a plate and you'll get to rub elbows with, I don't know, some, I forgot who it is, some politician. So I, 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 uh, or no, they're scammers. Maybe, yeah, or I don't know. It could be, but like, I, if you get so many of them and they're different, it, it can't be all the same scam, right? I mean, I mean, I must have a number that's similar to a rich guy, and then now I have a name that's similar to a rich guy, and another, like I said, another guy in the community also, not not Flutter community, but in the Rust community. I reached out to him to come back onto the show. He also thought I was an investor. So that's like, maybe it's the same guy who's investing into like these kind of open source projects in different spaces. It could be. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. But it's, it's, I'm always kind of curious, like, I don't know what you can say. Feel free to, to if you don't think you can say it, it's fine. But I'm always kind of curious about, I mean, because people want an investment, uh, a return investment on their money, right? Um, do you mind to talk about kind of what you're offering to, to them? Or is that against what you can talk about? No, obviously. So, um, I mean, we're building ServerPod as an open source project, but people, when they build a server with ServerPod, I mean, they have the option to host it anywhere. It runs anywhere you can run Dart, which is pretty much any server, Linux, Windows, Mac, uh, it runs. Um, but what we're doing is building a hosting service for ServerPod, basically. So you enter your credit card number and your domain name, and we set everything up for you. And basically take care of your hosting so so that's the business model at least long term um so we won't be able to do that probably for the next six months or so but uh hopefully we'll after that have a chance to pull that together and start working on that uh so right now we're just focusing on making ServerPod as good as it can be and really you know, making it a great option for any Flutter developer to use as the backend. Um, and uh, I think the greatest benefit right now is that it allows you to use Dart for your whole stack. So you can use very easily use Dart on your server. Uh, and yeah, then we built a bunch of um, innovations in there. Like you can, it actually, analyzes your server code and generates your APIs for you from the server code. So we use the Dart analyzer for that. 
uh, it builds the whole serialization layer for you. So it's so so we basically made it super easy to build your backend in Dart, and we solved a lot of the issues that are you know pretty tough to do otherwise, like authentication. So we built authentication for Google and Apple and Firebase. Uh, so you can with Firebase obviously um, get access to pretty much any other authentication method that you may need. Um, uh, but also if you want to wing your own or use email or uh, you can do that too. So it's very flexible. So you can sort of shoot, pick and choose the parts that you, you need for your project there. Um, uh, and we built, uh, you know, file uploads so you can do it that efficiently. You can actually even pass binary objects in your method calls uh, straight to the server. Um, so there's a, a whole bunch of things in the server pod that makes it very quick to uh, build a real application. I think many of the other solutions that are out there for Dart right now, they're kind of limited to just the Dart layer, whereas server pod takes a more holistic approach and you know solves the, the sort of real issues that you eventually run into. So it can be really quick to get started building a project uh, with many of these other tools, but when you eventually you probably need sign in with Google and then you need to build all that yourself. Or if you, I don't know, start needing to do caching of your database objects, we have that ready to go in server pods. So it's very, very easy to integrate um, rather than getting there. And then you need to find another solution for that and start hooking that up. It can be a lot of work. Yeah, I just want to say you have a fan out there in the audience who's saying, uh, he, he can't watch this episode live. At least he dropped by to leave a message. But yeah. He's, quote, pretty excited about ServerPod waiting for 1.0, right? So I just want to let you know that there's you have fans in the audience. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's coming really soon, 1.0. It's out in a, as a release candidate. Uh, found a few smaller issues that we're working through right now. But it's um, there will be no major changes, so it's pretty safe, you know, getting started with. And there are a whole bunch of projects out there already that is using ServerPod, not just Bus, of course, but um, they're, they're I, I don't know, it's it's very hard to know how many actually, but uh, there may be there are at least tens of them, uh, maybe a hundred. Yeah, and, and but you're, are you, because I just took a look at your roadmap, right? Your roadmap is hosted on GitHub. You can see the current, right. what, the way everything is. You've got 60 done things. You have five main future features. These ones are not a, a part of 1.0, right? Yeah. Um, but you have, th sorry, you have four different 1.0 columns. Does that mean all four of these columns have to be empty for it to be considered 1.0? Uh, I mean, uh, I, I think we may probably leave, leave uh, one or two of those. So the nice to haves are things we're going to add if there's time. Uh, and then there's basically the essentials that we are for sure getting in there. Um, uh, so there, there are just a few few remaining tasks. So so essentials are, are pretty much, you know, bugs left to go through. And we, we've been working a lot over the past couple of months making the documentation really good. There are a couple of YouTubers that started making tutorials for ServerPod. Um, because I know a lot of people like to learn through YouTube, so uh, we want to have that covered too. That's awesome. Um, 
Yeah, so like you said, you said the binary file upload uh, to database storage. So that's actually directly into the database, right? Not on the file system. Right. So um, basically, the, we support file uploads out of the box uh, in, in server pod, but then it's using the database. I mean, you can store binary files in the database. may not be the best option for a real production app. So we also have support for S3. So um, basically having it in the um, uh, built into the database makes it very easy to set up and start working with. And then you, when you deploy it, you can actually deploy it to an S3 bucket um, or, or like have the file uploads go to an S3 bucket instead. And that will uh, be much more efficient and uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's just a better setup, but we support both. So um, there's still one bug if you're using Flutter Web and upload files to the database. That's not working right now. So that's one of the known bugs. So I think that's like a pretty limited use case because it's uh, maybe when you're debugging your application and still using the database for storage, uh, but when you deploy your real application, it will work either way. So it's it's not a, a huge issue, but would be nice to get fixed. You also have SQL querying for in list. So that means if you're if you're querying for something in, in SQL using the in operator, right? Right. Uh, so um, I haven't uh, gone through that, but it, it seems like it would be a pretty easy thing to add. So might as well add it to the database layer. I mean, uh, we have built an ORM that's um, uh, basically makes it possible to pull rows from the database. They, they get like formatted as dot objects, uh, which is pretty neat. Uh, so you, you use sort of native dot types. It really makes an abstraction of the database, but obviously you can do SQL calls directly to the database if you need to. So, uh, but for most tasks, uh, the ORM the will work and be a very uh, good solution and very easy to work with. So you can, Pull an object from the database and just pass it on to the to your app, um, and it will actually be both, you know, serializable and you can write it or read it from the database. Uh, so I think stuff like that is really what makes ServerPod great. It's uh, it's like the sum of the parts is bigger than the parts themselves because you can find all these parts, right? You can find an ORM for the database. You can find, use freeze to do your serialization. You can, um, you know, use something else for caching, but bring all those together uh, and they just make sure all of the parts work together really smoothly. It um, makes for a really good developer experience. Um, so some people uh, think it's like they don't really like the opinionated nature of of doing it that way. But I think, um, you know, in the future, we may support other databases and stuff like that, too. But for most people, you working with Postgres will be good enough. Uh, it's what most apps use anyway, if they're not using Firebase or, or um, like document database. Um, so, uh, yeah, we, we did make some choices, but on the other hand, you get a whole bunch of stuff back uh, from from doing those choices. Like uh, we added something we call future calls, which allows you to basically 
say you have a user signing up to your service and you want to remind them one week from now by sending them an email. In ServerPod, you can just make a future call. So you say, call this method one week from now. And ServerPod just serializes that object to the database and pulls it up when it's ready to go. Um, things like that uh, you can do, or like the caching, or just making those work really nicely together. Um, is things that you can't do with just pulling different parts together. Or we built a whole logging system around ServerPod. Uh, which uh, we're going to release with the 1.0. Uh, uh, we have a companion app to ServerPod that we call ServerPod Insights, which is basically um, a log viewer, a visual log viewer, where you can uh, see your logs uh, in real time, what's happening in your server. And if there's an exception, you can just, it will show up. You can click that exception and just take to straight to your code. Um, it also, you can tell it to log your database queries and you can set the logging on a very granular level. So you can say, turn on logging for a single method and turn that up to max log everything that's happening in that, me in that method. Uh, and say there's a database query in there that is slow. You can find that one, you just click on that query. It's saved with the stack trace. So it will take you straight back to your code. Um, so that's uh, things that will save you, you know, hours of debugging uh, that you otherwise would have to get through. And we can do that because we tied everything together in one package, basically. We got a question from the audience that I think is pretty interesting. Yeah. So, so Robert, Robert Brunich, uh, I don't know if you know who he is. He's saying that ServerPod's TypeSafe API seems quite similar to TRPC. I've never heard TRPC before. I just looked it up. Um, I think... Is he talking about grpc or yeah, not grpc t as in tom trpc yes was that something that sparked the interest to build uh server pod so trpc the t i believe stands for type safe yeah okay um so i i haven't seen trpc there's a package called grpc2 uh which is j a or g bit... g G, okay, GRPC, yeah, everybody I think knows that one from Google, right? Right, yeah. So uh, ServerPod is somewhat similar to GRPC, um, but we're taking it one step further where GRPC basically creates the, um, uh, the protocols for your Dart code uh, or like your Go code or server code. Uh, what ServerPod will do with will it actually analyze the server code. So we have taken one step out of that whole process and made it a little bit more streamlined with ServerPod. Um, but I'll definitely look into TRPC. I mean, it seems at the first glance, maybe a little bit similar. So it's, um, I mean, everything in ServerPod is type safe. Uh, it, it supports null safety. Uh, it verifies your calls so you know the data will be you know, good when it comes to the server you start processing it. Yeah, that that's that's good. I mean it sometimes some of these things are so similar that it's just like you know, like kind of like do you do do you do scrum? It's like, well, kind of. I don't necessarily release every week or every two weeks, but you know, we we kind of you know, we 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 follow the principles of of kind of like, you know, uh what is it the four principles is like, you know, working software over documentation, these kind of simple things but do we do scrum not really but you know it works you don't have to follow everything to a t right 
Right. I I think there are like probably very many varieties of Scrum too. <laughs> subtle differences, and people love to call them different things. Like I remember um, the guy Alan Key. Uh, he he's the guy that have you ever heard of Alan Key before? The computer scientist. It sounds familiar, but I I'm not like uh, super familiar. Okay, from what I understand, he kind of came up with the idea of object-oriented programming. But what we do now is object-oriented programming is not what he envisioned. Yeah, he envisioned more of a message passing. So basically, kind of like Dart isolate kind of idea where you shoot messages across. Yeah, that's what he envisioned as object-oriented programming. But you can see if you look at Java, there's no message passing. It's just a free-for-all <laughs> at times. There's some languages that are more based on that principle, like Erlang. I think is a bit like that. It's uh... Um, sort of a server-side language made by Ericsson. Erlang. Yeah. That's actually where the, the isolates came from. Uh, we, we had one of the creators on here in, for Dart, and uh, he said that they got the idea of isolates from Erlang. Yeah, it makes sense. You, you cannot spin up like millions of, of these isolates that you, like you can in Erlang, but you know, still the basic idea is just like, yeah, you don't share data across isolates because it could be dangerous, right? Right. I mean, that's a, a big problem, I would say, with like when you do server development in Java, if you do, it's easy to, at least if you do it on a lower level, to get deadlocks and not think about cases where, you know, you write the same data in different threads and uh, keeping track of all that can be pretty challenging. Um, uh, so I guess that's a, a benefit of Dart. That, that's uh, that's way more structured, but but also sometimes more limited, I guess, because you can't really pass objects between the isolates. Yeah, I I hear this sometimes about you know it, it it's a trade off right between safety and um, convenience and being quick, right? Like how quick do you need right. to be? I, I think I've seen some benchmarks of like Rust and Dart, and sometimes Dart actually beats Rust when you compile it in release mode, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, Dart seems really fast. And and something I really like about Dart is how like versatile it is. You can write as a scripting language, basically, or you can compile it to native code, you can compile it to JavaScript, or you can compile it to kernel code, which basically, I guess it's a little bit like Java byte code, where, where, where it's really fast to start it up. It's sort of halfway compiled but they haven't done the sort of native step. Oh, you mean like the JIT? There's no JIT done yet, right? Yeah, I guess. Or maybe, I don't know how much optimizations they have in that kernel code, but it's none of the sort of native code is. Okay, sorry. Not, no AOT, basically, no ahead-of-time compilation. Right. But you would have the JIT as it's running, which is kind of like how Java works, where you it, it sees some pieces that it can optimize for your architecture, and then it just optimizes it as it's running, something like that, right? Right, right. So basically, I have four four different ways you can run it, and uh, yeah, for the most, that's a good thing. I think the JavaScript uh, sometimes is the most challenging to work with, uh, even though that's where Dart started. Yeah, it's Dart. It's just like you, you know, it's very common for a startup to spin to to spin to 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 do what is the word again? You used the word earlier. My mind's going crazy. To pivot, right? Yeah, just like companies pivot all the time. Like YouTube was a dating platform, I think it'll 
a video dating platform a long time ago, which is obviously, oh, wow. well, maybe some people are doing that. I've seen some people asking for girlfriends on there, uh, but that's another, another, another podcast, not this one, but like a lot of languages, they, they spin or they pivot uh, or they, they can pivot. Right. Um, in, in different ways. Like you look at Python two to three, right. They had a huge pivot, not necessarily in what they were doing, but in their design. I think Dart yeah. had big pivots, both in design but also in what they were doing, right? First it was, okay, can we, can we like, what is the word that, that can we, can we write a, a better kind of JavaScript that will run faster compared to JavaScript? Yeah. And then that didn't really work, take off. Or can we just run this by itself? That definitely didn't take off, right? I think I remember that storm so many years ago. It's like more than 10 years ago, right? People were going crazy about it. And then it's like, well, can we use this for something else? Yeah, we, we can, you know, it's, it, I think to, to tools like LLVM and stuff, it's like you, I don't, it's not using LLVM, right? It's using something else. I forgot what it is, but tools like that where you can say, okay, run it for that thing, right? Run it for JavaScript, run it for that. It's crazy what you can do. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I think it's cool. And I, I, I like Dart as a language. It's uh, very nice to work with um, all the modern language features that you have access to. And the syntax is pretty nice. Um, and that it's strictly typed and the tooling around it's also really, really nice. So actually, uh, I mean, the idea for ServerPod came out of me writing a server in, in Python because I, I used, I started using Python because of their sort of machine learning and, uh, text ana analysis, um, libraries which is really really good in in python uh but all the other parts are just super painful to work with uh, so yeah that's how i started thinking about doing this and just having everything in dart and started experimenting with that and then uh yeah it became my full-time job <laughs> and, and now we have server pod yeah, I was trying to see if there's like we were talking about Erlang earlier. There's a tool in Erlang built into the runtime where you can connect to a running instance and you can see all kinds of data, like what's what's each core of your CPU running, how many processes or isolates in Dart language do you have running, what are they doing, and then you could start. Okay, for this, like imagine if you could say, okay, for this isolate, run or log this function and show me what comes out, something like that. Like, but we don't have something so detailed built into Dart, but I know that we can hook into it, right? I mean, that's definitely available in Dart, at least to some extent with, um, it was called the observatory. Now it's, I think, DevTools. So when you start Dart, you can pass in a flag that is, I think, observe. Then you, it, it will start a web server and you connect to that web server and you get a whole lot of information out of it. You can like see exactly which objects are created. You can track memory leaks. You can, um, yeah, see the isolates and what they're doing. You can do profiling in real time and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's, uh, I think, um, a pretty cool feature in Dart. I, I, I have no idea how it compares to Erlang. Maybe, you know, that's way better. Uh, I don't know. I haven't really worked with Erlang. Yeah, no, I, I think they're similar, right? I haven't played around. I haven't had the need to play around too much with Dart and figure out what's what's going on. And also, uh, yeah, I, I I don't really write backends in Dart, although 
I've gotten quite a few people who are interested in having that. Like I tried doing something with Dart Frog because it's just straightforward and people were talking about it for a while. Uh, ServerPod just hasn't been popping up on my radar. I'm, I'm aware of it, but it hasn't been popping up on my radar in my circles. Yeah. Uh, sorry to, to, to hurt your, hurt your <laughs> That's feelings. That's right. I mean, it's, uh, it's not released yet. So, I mean, it's yeah. just... If it's been out for a while, are... you could use it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's definitely now. It's I mean, it's so close to, to release, so it's. Uh, I think it's. I would say it's safe to to start using it uh, already. But um, uh, I think Dark Frog. I, I haven't really done any sort of marketing or you know, for for Serverpod at all so far. So I mean, that's the next challenging challenge now to get it out to the community and have more people getting on board and trying it out. Um, which is exciting, obviously. And, uh, uh, I think that's a little bit what drives me is just seeing what people build with server pod. It's really exciting. I've never had the chance to play with server pod. Um, I, I definitely will, because I think I mentioned before, we're doing the live stream with somebody, um, with Ben dad and heard of him before. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I know all of him. Yeah. Um, so we did a poll and. It just beat out animations, so we, people are going for animations, and it was for Dart, uh, full stack Dart, and then finally it had full stack Dart, which I'm happy about because I think that's more exciting, more interesting topic. Because if you can build your app with Flutter, then why can't you continue the same language and build your backend with it? I don't think that's a good argument, but I think for people who are just starting out with this, if they know Dart, that's fine. But I don't think it, that should be the main or only reason to choose. ServerPod or Dart Frog or something in Dart, but I, I I want to explore it myself because I have people here who sometimes have free time and they don't know other languages. So it'd be nice to say, can you just build this something for me? Yeah. In Dart Frog, I asked him to build something in Dart Frog, but for me, it didn't feel complete yet. And he's really into Dart and 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 uh, Flutter, and it didn't seem something easy for him to pick up either. But I think also because he doesn't have the he doesn't have the HTTP background to understand what's going to happen. And I think that's a positive for ServerPod because what I understand yeah. is it it does abstract things away, which for me as somebody who's more expert than somebody who only does Flutter, I feel like that is a hindrance and it makes me worried. But for somebody who doesn't, maybe it's okay, right? Like I just thrown some stuff out there. Right. I mean, uh, I think even for you, it would save you lots and lots of time if you start using it. But uh, I mean, that being said, you have the option always in, in ServerPod to... I mean, you can hack together your own JSON interface. It actually, so ServerPod comes with both um, an, uh, an app server where we sort of abstract everything, but you also have a web server, which you can use to say you want to serve your Flutter apps, your Flutter web apps. Uh, you can do that through ServerPod as well, or you can build way more complicated things or there can be use cases for instance where you need to connect to other web services where you um, need to provide endpoints that are has a specific format right uh, or webhooks and stuff like that so so we definitely allow that too so so you you're not really limited using serverpod to just you know do it the serverpod way you can always do things your own way too. Um, I, I think that's um, an important um, uh, design decision uh, to to allow people to 
have the option to dig as deep as they want, but also make it really simple to use. Uh, and coming back to like using different languages, I think even if you're an experienced developer, being able to use the same language is huge. Uh, because, um, or if you're running say a startup or a bigger company and you have full stack developers, finding a good Flutter developer is hard enough, right? And if you need to have a Flutter developer that also knows Go or is fluent in JavaScript or whichever flavor of that you're using, uh, that makes it even harder to find that developer rather than having someone who is good at Flutter and Dart and they can just use that. And, and also when it comes to, you know, the context switches when you're working, it's much easier to jump between the server and the app if it's basically the same. But now, now I, I love to play devil's advocate. I don't know if you know that about me, but I yeah, also yeah. Have to throw on the other <laughs> side, right? So, so here's the other side, right? If I, I haven't looked at least for a while at ServerPod. Now I'm betting if you write a Flutter app versus if you write a ServerPod app, your coding style will be different, right? There's no build method for every single like service that you're going to be building, right? There's no bunch of widgets that you're going to be composing. So there is going to be some differences, yes? Uh, I mean, obviously a server works different from an app, right? You don't have like a visual user interface in a server. Um, but uh, and you're still building the Flutter app the same way you would. It's just when you're calling the server, you do that. It looks like you're calling a native method or like an, uh, a method in your app. Um, so basically what ServerPod will do, you create your uh, methods on the server and then it generates the whole API. So you get the library that you include in your Flutter app and that has the same methods. So you can just call them and they return, you know, a future with your result. Um, so, um, I mean, it's, it is pretty much the same. Uh, it's just obviously on the server side, you can't build a, a Flutter widget and pass that to the client. Not yet anyway, maybe that's something that could happen in the future if we can like <laughs> serialize the widgets, but I, I don't really see, um, uh, I, I don't know if that would be how useful that would be, but who knows? Maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, I just think that when I'm when I build a Flutter app, like, yeah, okay, technically it's still a Dart app, but I feel like Flutter because the language and the way you do everything is so different than other programming languages. I just feel it's totally different when I'm writing a Flutter app. I have to call it a Flutter app because it's really di quite different uh, for me, at least. That, that's how I feel. Um, but yeah, it, there's still Dart. Um, there's still a lot of the stuff the same. It's building upon Dart, but like you don't have constructor calling constructor calling constructor calling another constructor calling another constructor like this kind of style when you're building a ServerPod app, right? Uh, I guess I mean that's a little bit of a characteristic of Flutter. I guess like the build method gets very sort of nested with objects. Yeah, you typically won't get that too much on the server side, but maybe that's a good thing. That's why. Feel like maybe that's the biggest drawback of Flutter. It can be hard, especially in the beginning, to read those and also to to write those. And when you need to refactor, I was struggling a little bit when I started doing Flutter just for with that. Like when you have like this huge, you know, build method and you need to pull out something and move, change the structure of that tree. Like that can be a little bit daunting. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
that that thing will be the same regardless of which backend you're using, right? So how you write your server code will be a little bit different from how you write your app code, but it's the same language. And yeah, I mean, it's not that big of a difference. It's like when you write helper methods in in your Flutter app that don't build a tree, they they also don't have usually that much nested code. Do we have an approximate date for when 1.0 will be out? I mean, obviously, it, you don't really know when you're going to fix these last essentials. So it's only the essentials that you're that you're missing, and then you can say, okay, let's cut the release. Yeah, so um, it'll be in sometime in January. I, I the actual date is not quite set yet for a couple of reasons, but uh, um, basically the code is done or very very close to being done. So. Um, yeah, um, I don't have an exact date, but uh, it will be in January. That's good. Can it be by January 12th? That's my birthday. Can you give me a birthday gift for that one? Then I'll try it out if it's on my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it a try. How, how about that? Okay, so just, just delay the, the push. You can fix the yeah. bug before. You can fix the feature before. Yeah. Just don't push it until then, okay? All right. Fair enough. Um, yeah, but you're saying basically even there's how do i say this there's no reason that people cannot be using this already in production as long as those two things are not stopping them and you think that those are not showstoppers for basically at least 99 percent of people who could be using server cloud right yeah totally i mean it's it's production ready right now i would say yeah i i think i remember like linux a long time ago finally did like a 2.0 or 3.0 and everybody was like wow this is great and then he just said like you know i'm, I'm tired of being on one dot whatever or whatever it was and, <laughs> do you remember this no but i think i remotely remember something yeah he's just like we we just 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 do the next one like kind of like versions you know a long time ago things were different but nowadays it's like everybody just pulls from master and then or, or main or whatever you want to call your your develop branch and just runs that in production <laughs> there's like no never any real reason to wait for 1.0 unless it's like breaking api changes but you haven't had breaking api changes for some time i'm guessing uh i mean we made sure all those uh, are coming before the 1.0 release so um but yeah there have been a, a few breaking changes that have been pretty big we, we made like the whole serialization layer for instance so that's a pretty big change uh but i think worth it because now it's um basically it's compatible with um other you, you can use freest objects if you're using or like using serializable and stuff like that um so that works seamlessly with serverpod now which is pretty cool um and so i i think it was worth doing those changes um uh, but we wanted to get all those in before the one that you'll release so there will be basically no at least no bigger breaking changes until version two whenever that will be uh but we have so many exciting things lined up for the future it's um going to be a very exciting year to come i think the the biggest thing we're work starting working on now for what probably will be sort of 1.1 1 .1 is uh database migrations so I feel like that's the biggest pain point in Serverpod right now. You need to manually make sure that your database structure is, you know, up to date. Being able to have that managed by by Serverpod, I mean, it, it wouldn't be like hidden from you, but it, being able to basically uh, get the 
uh, migration files done and say like, I want to run this next time I restart the server or whatever. I think that could be super useful. That's that's a killer for me. It, if I don't know if I can use this one production because that's a, that's a pain for me because I'm always trying to kick out new versions and always updating the database structure as I'm going along. But uh, I, it, but that doesn't mean I can't try it. Right. But I'm saying that something that I really think about and it's really important because database is your your central uh, point of truth, right? If that's not uh, tip top, then that gives me a little bit of a worry. Right. So um, I mean, that will I think. Uh, just getting that in there will be pretty huge um, uh, and something we really want to get right. But that's, we couldn't make that happen for the 1.0, but it will definitely be there for the 1.1 in the future. Okay, that's that's good to hear. I was, I'm a bit surprised it's not in this one, but I understand there's priorities and everything yeah. else. So. Yeah, I mean, still stable. You just need to make sure you're database database tables are up to par and I, i'm sure there are other like third party solutions you could potentially use for for doing that already but uh, it was would just be nice to have it built in right i didn't find any decent like database structure stuff for migrations for postgres compared to other places but maybe i didn't look in the right places i just typed in postgresql i saw like a basic connector we yeah. can send straight SQL queries, which is not interesting to me because I am worried about injections and stuff. Yeah. And I saw some ORMs and it's like, eh, I don't know if I really want to go for ORM style. I'm more of like into other kinds of patterns. Yeah. So I think this is something a lot of developers are struggling with, regardless of what framework they're using. So it would be really nice to have a good sort of built-in solution for that. Somebody speaking about going back to the release date, somebody mentioned in the yeah. chat that maybe you could do it on January 25th at the Flutter Forward event. Yeah, we'll see. Um, uh, yeah, we ha it depends a little bit on uh, how how everything plays out with the last fixes and uh, other marketing stuff that may or may not happen. We'll see. So maybe if you can rattle off like maybe the top three to five features you think that people should know about ServerPod that will kind of make them come to to use it compared to other kinds of solutions? I think uh, that it's just so seamless and easy to get started with. Uh, is That one is really huge. You just, you know, the server pod create and you have a whole project works out of the box with databases. Uh, if you want to use Redis for caching, it's built for scalability, so you know it comes with deployment scripts. You can deploy it to. Uh, right now, we made them for AWS, but we're going to add more platforms in the future, and that's sets up a whole infrastructure for you with auto scaling groups and load balancers, and if you want caching, staging servers. Uh, I mean, it's like the whole whole thing. Basically, everything you will need for building a real production quality server. Um, so otherwise for some of these other solutions, they may have like a deployment strategy, but it just deploys the server, right? There's so much more you need. If you want to do things like file uploads, if you want to do, you know, making sure it's correctly set up with certificates and load balancers and that it can scale. How do you connect your database? 
properly all that is just set up for you so it's it's really um a complete package uh, for for your server and i think we cover probably 90 percent of all apps in in what they need what they need to do and you can always add like those last 10 percent uh, yourself if you need to um and then it's just really a smooth experience with uh, rating your apis because it takes care of your whole, whole sort of rest api um, it has great support for uh, streaming data as well so you can we actually made a, a pretty cool demo called pixorama.live uh, it's like a multi-drawing uh, multi-user drawing experience uh, inspired by reddit places if you've seen that where you can basically uh, you can be all persons can draw on the same canvas it's like a pixel drawing app um, uh so yeah yeah I, I think we covered most bases there and uh, uh yeah those those three i would say like the seamless experience is create in creating your apis and obviously using dart as your main language and getting the whole package to go and set up and ready and be ready to write your app you know within minutes versus having to connect all these parts which you know, can take days otherwise. Yeah, so basically ba batteries included kind of framework ready to go. You just go with it. You, everything you need is all right there for most things at least. And, and I mean, just doing a proper deployment like that, it, it, that's a lot of work. Uh, writing those scripts took like three weeks. Uh, it was kind of a painful experience. I haven't done that before, but... Um, you're so used with using Flutter and the hot reloads and stuff. And then you're using Terraform scripts on AWS and every iteration takes like five minutes. Uh, so I think um, that's a different experience. And then it just says, oh no, something is wrong. You have to fix it, try again, wait another five minutes. Um, so basically we did all that trial and error and fixing it for all the other developers so they can just get their server up and running in, I don't know, what will take 15 minutes or something like that. Yeah, I think you have to cover kind of the bare, bare essentials of deployment, right? Nowadays, everybody deploys to Kubernetes. Uh, yeah. Plus you have other solutions, bare metal, you can never forget about. That's always going to be something you have to be able to handle. Yeah. Docker, but that's, if you have Kubernetes, it's almost the same, I think. There shouldn't be much difference with Docker and Kubernetes to a certain extent. Right. At least getting the image built. Um, uh, some kind of, like maybe Heroku, but that one you could use Docker, you can use some kind of build pack. I mean, I think those are probably the biggest things you need to to kind of run, right? Yeah. And also, you know, how to deploy with Firebase, et cetera. These are all going to be addressed, right? Right, yeah. Uh, I mean, right now we have support for AWS and EC2 instances, but uh, we're going to add more options there in the future for sure. Uh, and I think Google Cloud will probably be the next big one and Kubernetes because you will be able to run that pretty much anywhere. Um, so it would be also nice to be able to support that. So for, for the Google Cloud one, are you looking at their version of EC2, which is what the compute server, I think? I forgot what theirs is called. Uh, right. I, I don't know the exact naming of it, but yeah. Um, right now, I mean, um, 
ServerPod runs, you need to run a server. We are also going to look at, you know, more serverless or, or what's it called? maybe not serverless is not the right word, but you know, microservices uh, infrastructure you can use on AWS, for instance, or, or Google Cloud. Um, you're not talking about Lambdas, right? You're talking about like, um, is it Lambdas? Yeah. Okay, I thought you were going to be talking about, um, but that's also container-based, right? There's another one. Uh, it's kind of like pre-Kubernetes. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I forgot the name now. Um, I can get the name in a second. Now it's going to bug me if I don't remember it. Do, do, yeah. do you know what I'm saying? What what that one is? No, I'm, I'm not sure. But I mean, there, there are many different options. I think we just needed to start somewhere and make that work great. So you have a, a good option um, to get started, which will cover most of the users. And then we're going to just add more options in the future and make sure i think it's better to have a few options that works really really well than covering too many and maybe not be like 100 percent on everyone because there are like lots of i mean there are lots of things that you really need to cover when it comes to the uh, deployment it's it's not just getting the server up and running but if you want to do you know file uploads you need to be able to connect it to s3 or I guess data store in Google Cloud, and you know have that working all the way, not just on the server, but it needs to work all the way from the, your Flutter app. So, so we, I mean, we we provide Flutter APIs for doing those things as well. So, basically, just call a method, upload a file on the Flutter side, and it takes care of all the steps in that process. The thing I was trying to find before is called ECS, Elastic Container Service. I think it's called. That's what I think it stands for. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's uh, isn't that on AWS or? Yeah, that's on AWS. So if it has the word Elastic, most likely it's on AWS, including Elasticsearch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it would be guys. It would be. That's a huge feature. But like, if you could have some kind of Terraform like thing where you could say, okay, where do you want to deploy to? It's like you know, I don't know. Just start throwing out things out there. Heroku, like Firebase, uh, Google Cloud, AWS. Yeah. And it's like, okay, if you want AWS or Google Cloud, I, I don't know what it is for Google Cloud, but for AWS, okay, give us the IAM user username and password or the secret key and and whatever. Yeah. And it kind of just does, it's like, okay, do you, then it, it could be Express Setup where it just chooses a, a configuration that you think it thinks that you want. Like you just tell which region. Yeah. Or it could be, okay, do you want Pro Mode? And it's like, okay, do you want ECS? Do you want Kubernetes? Do you want blah, 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 right. like give you some, that'd be kind of nice to have, but that is a huge endeavor to do because you got to support all these different things, but that would be really nice. That's exactly how it works for AWS. Now you basically get a configuration, configuration files where you can, you know, set up things like, what do you want, for instance, is in which region do you want it to run? And um, so, so you have a sort of higher level configuration file that's all you need to configure. But then obviously you have all the other files that you can go in and play around with if you want to change anything in your setup. Awesome. Yeah, I, it, you got a lot of stuff in there. I mean, you, you've been busy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm always kind of curious, like what, 
how do you stay focused onto one thing? Because for me, I, I have a problem staying focused onto one thing. I've started too many things, and now I'm in the process of trying to close a couple of them at the same time, and it's not easy. Yeah. Right. How do you stay so focused on one thing? You know, I I have so many ideas for stuff I would want to build. Um, I just had to. I think. Um, I thought about all the different ideas that I had and thought like, what can I do the best? Where do I have the strongest network to build something? And uh, I just went with it. And uh, <clears throat> uh, I sort of put all the other projects aside and made, you know, Serverpod my hobby and work. Uh, and I, I think something that makes me pas passionate or passionate about working with something. I love building stuff and I really love seeing people using the stuff that I build. So that's a big driver for me. And especially now when there are more and more people, you know, starting to use it, giving feedback, uh, doing, you know, work, new features and everything. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's really fun to work with. So for me, it's, um, yeah, there's a, thousand other things I could have done right but just have to focus on one and go for it that's and I know this is something I can do really really well I I mean I have the experience I I'm I'm a very seasoned Flutter developer I actually used to work on the Flutter team at Google so I've been <laughs> really deep into Flutter uh, I built apps myself with Flutter and sort of felt the pain points that were there when it came to the back end. Um, I, I built a bunch of different backends before, uh, both real-time apps. I built what became um, the world's third largest online poker. So I did like the server um, server infrastructure for that uh, and all the real-time communication. Um, so yeah, um, <clears throat> I just felt this was the one idea where I had the most experience and network and could pull everything together. So that's what I went for. And I guess, I mean, there's always days you're not like as motivated as others, but uh, I mean, I love doing this and uh, I am super happy with how it's came together. Um, yeah. yeah. That's actually something I find very interesting is like, I don't know if this works for all the other teams out there, but I feel like the Flutter team, if you ever leave Google, usually you leave, at least the people that I know that left Google that are that were involved with Flutter all left Google being in the Flutter team. There's only one guy I know who switched teams. He was kind of from the beginning of Flutter. He's working on something else. Um, but otherwise, everybody else I can think of that I knew about that left the Flutter team actually also left Google at the same time. And I think all of them are still working with Flutter outside except for maybe one guy who's not doing it full-time as far as i know right that's um oh his his face is in my is in my uh head but the guy who originally created go router um wow what is the name in is, is lost in my head um he's working at facebook now um it's eric i believe okay yeah i mean it's um it's a couple of years since i left google so I think that not that many, the team probably looks very, very different now than it looked when I worked there. Yeah, I was just trying to say, like, it seems like 
the people who were in a uh, Chris, sorry, somebody just somebody just got the name for me, Chris. If you remember who Chris is, I forgot. Uh, Chris Sells. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. If you know who he was, yeah. So he's the only one I know who's not working on Flutter full time outside of Google when he left, but he's still very much a part of the the Flutter community. I would say nowadays, even though less than it used to be, but still part of it. Yeah, I mean, I think you probably want to leverage the knowledge you gain at Flutter, at that team or at Google working there in, in some way. So it's, and I mean, the Flutter community, it's really growing fast. Um, uh, as technology, I mean, Tim Sneath said that um, Flutter Vikings now 20% of all apps on at least new apps, I'm guessing, on Google Play are made with Flutter. So it's, uh, I mean, that's huge. Uh, and it's probably going to keep growing, I think. I think we've only just seen the beginning of, of Flutter so far. Yeah, so that's that goes back to another question of mine, is when can we get to, to 100%? I mean, I wish, <laughs> I kind of wish Android would go away already, but um, I guess there's a time and place for what you need Android for. But yeah, maybe. Google Flutter has... I always feel it kind of weird. Like there's sometimes you have these kind of competing things, right? There's a couple of OSs, I believe, within Google. Now there's basically two kinds of ways to build apps, you know, Android and uh, Flutter for Android apps. Or sorry, native Android and Flutter. Yeah. I'm just like, can we just kill Android and just go with Flutter? Because I've heard very few people that tried Flutter and stuck with Android. Very few. I, I can't tell you even one, but I'm sure there's some. Yeah, I I mean, I feel like I had the worst developer experience with any sort of Android apps that I've tried to make. It's not that... And it's also very hard because you run into some issue and you start Googling and you get like information that's maybe you know, two years old and everything has changed since then in some subtle ways and you need some compatibility libraries or whatnot and it just feels like so messy um <clears throat> yeah no um, yeah i agree but google is pretty good at having many different projects around, around the same topic i would say i mean it's not like flutter and uh, native android are their only frameworks for doing ui right they have they ha at least had Polymer and they had uh, some other material design library for HTML. No, I can't remember the name right now, top of my head, but yeah. So that's been a bunch. Polymer, wow, you, you take me back to, what is that, 15 years ago? Yeah, it's probably. It's been a long time. <laughs> it's been a long time, at least 10 years, I think. Yeah, but it was probably supported for longer than that. It's not like it's been dead for ten years. I think the thing is with with web, once you once it comes out and it's been used, you you can't not support it. It's like it's gonna always be there. Yeah, you know, like the very first web pages are still accessible today. Yeah, they have to be. <laughs> it's 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 not nice, you know. And that's you know, you go to the page source and you see like font tags and. I don't remember what else there was back then. I, I don't know. Eyes are still being used, right? Yeah, bold tags and everything is capitalized and all you know, long doc type and everything else. Yeah, blink. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. My favorite Blink tag, the Marquee tag. There we go. Marquee is a big one. I remember when I was younger, like you'd have you'd you'd, you'd have fun at inserting Marquee and and like Blink. Yeah, you do Blink tag and you would show it to your friend and they would say, I, I, it's not blinking. And you're like, well, you have to use Firefox, man. Why, why are you still using IE? Then then you'll see it blinking. Right. <laughs> yeah, there were times. <laughs> Yeah, don't you miss those days when incompatibility? So at least now life is a little bit easier since everybody nearly switched over to Chrome or Chrome compatibility, you know? Yeah, okay, yeah, that that is true. It's probably way easier to build a decent web page nowadays. I feel like an old man. Like, you guys don't know what it's like. Like, I showed somebody <laughs> how to convert a number to a string where you just added an empty string to it, and people felt like, that was horrible. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's what you had to do back in the day if you wanted a string. You had to add an empty string to it from a number. Then you had a string. <laughs> and they just feel like so dirty. I'm like, no, that like I think nowadays there's there's other ways you could do it. But at back then, that was the only way that I knew how to do. And that was like the, the main solution. Yeah. And I just feel like nowadays, like I feel like an old man, like, oh, you kids these days, you don't know what life was like back then, adding empty strings to numbers to make strings. <laughs> yeah. No, it's happened uh, quite a few things since then. I think uh, it would be hard to go back and program in C and Emacs. And... Oh, Emacs is coming back. Everybody's talking about Emacs for the last couple of years. They're still talking about it. I forgot what is the the main... Is it Space Max? That's the one everybody's been talking about? You might need to check it out. Yeah. Yeah, Emacs is coming back. All of a sudden, it's coming back now. Vim is Vim is out. Now there's NIM or something. I don't know. I, I, I run out. I just, I stick to IntelliJ and VS Code. And that's, I don't want to get any more than that. That's enough for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Switch to VS Code. I think uh, it's pretty neat. I like it. And especially, I think the biggest innovation is probably all those, um, uh, the real time code analyzer. Compared to when I started programming, you had to like compile your program to see if it was you had made any typing mistakes in there. Oh yeah, yeah. Now now you can have like a pre-compiler that would be compiling your code and like I said, linting it or whatever as you're typing, so you can find all the stuff. Yeah, and that's uh, stuff that uh, you weren't used to back in the day, but happy things evolved. Yeah, but not now if that stuff stops working, at least you can continue to work because you know what it's like to work back then, as opposed to there's some there's sometimes when I don't I don't remember, there's sometimes where some tools just stop working and people kind of freak out. At least some of my colleagues they kind of freak out, like, Oh, I, I don't know how, how how do I continue? I'm like, when you how do you continue? It's just code. You just write it's just a text document, man. Just write it and then, you know, read it and see if it works. Don't just lie, like, you know, once an IntelliSense stops working, some people just don't know how to work. If you're running Java, okay, I think that's true. It's hard to write Java without IntelliSense because some of those names of classes and everything else is ridiculously long. All yeah, the boilerplate. But most other languages, especially Python and Dart and some JavaScript, you don't need you don't really need it. You can do most of it yourself. Yeah. No, it's a good point. There's uh, much less to keep in your head now with like proper autocomplete and things like that. Okay, cool. Uh, it's it's I, we've been on. Uh, you know, started a little bit late, but I think we had a little bit over planned time and definitely over the 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 calendar invite time. And uh, I appreciate taking up your time 
Uh, so one point I was coming out in January. Let's just make that part clear. So uh, how do we stay up to date to know when it gets when it drops? Is there a Twitter account that we should follow, or how do we kind of keep up to date? Yeah. So um, either Twitter is good, serverpoddev. Um, the account there or if you go to serverpod.news we have a you can sign up for a newsletter so you'll get all the information there obviously um, so i think oh, and obviously serverpod.dev the main web page those are the best ways to to find us so is it serverpod.news you said you can get to the newsletter yeah yeah Yep, that's right. It's a separate domain name. I didn't see a link on the on the ServerPod page. That's why I was a little bit confused. Yeah, yeah, I should add that. So you can find it on GitHub, I think. But I should link it from the documentation and from ServerPod too. Okay, I just signed up so that way I can keep up to date. I'm looking looking forward to this. Yeah, um, me too. Of course, you uh, <laughs> looking forward to the fruits of your labor. It's been several years, right? Uh, yeah, not several, but it's been. I've been working full time at least one year on this project, and uh, for probably one and a half years in total. Okay, I, I thought it was a lot longer than that. But, you know, you just figured there'd be a lot more things to do. But I guess if you are motivated, it, it could be a lot faster. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff, lots of work, and has really gone into this project. So um, I'm excited to see people starting using it and. Um, yeah, I just love to see what people are building with ServerPod and hope it can be a huge help to the whole Flutter community. Yeah, definitely. Um, cool. Uh, again, it's it's great to have you on. I'm looking forward to 1.0 coming in. I think for 1.1, when that one comes out, maybe we should have another talk and see how the database stuff is going and everything else that's in that one. That, that'd be interesting to hear. Yeah, I mean, I would love that for sure. Sorry, I just saw an interesting question. Uh, all right. <laughs> I, uh, he, um, I think it's pronounced Abdullah Al Mahud, or hopefully I said that Mahmoud. Sorry, apologies if I butchered your name. He asked, uh, "Is the name ServerPod inspired from RiverPod?" Uh, so it's. Uh, I think I came up with a ServerPod name before RiverPod, so there's like no no connection there. Um. Uh, yeah, no, that's just a coincidence. Now, where'd the pod, pod part come from? So, you know, from the beginning, it was kind of just, I just used it as a temporary name, and then it kind of stuck with people. <laughs> so, and I figured it's not too bad of a name. I'm thinking, like, pod is like a rocket, something you can build, but it's also something that's, you know, contained in one neat package. Um, so th those were my sort of associations around server pod. Um, but people remember it, it's easy to, to spell, pronounce. So I just figured, yeah, why not? I'm a server pod now. Okay. And then his obviously is not from you, right? I think his, uh, his name came from provider spelled backwards, which is interesting. Right. <laughs> Sometimes it's like that. Um, like we were talking about like how you're, uh, the the I mean, because I know so much about Erlang Elixir because I use them every day. Um, yeah, Erlang they they kind of came up with a lot of ideas that are kind of became popular as time came on, uh, like message passing. Right back then, nobody was doing message passing as far as I I know, and 
they thought, yeah, this is obvious. And then now you have like Dart Isolates doing the same thing. You have a couple yeah. other kind of design patterns in the actor pattern, right? They were, they, sorry, actually specifically talking about actor pattern. They were doing some sort of actor pattern before they even heard the term actor pattern. And you just, just happens like TRPC seems so much similar to GRPC, right? Very yeah. First clients. So it just kind of comes up and people have just the same idea or same solution or similar solution. Yeah. I mean, often it's like the most obvious ones people will do them or the, there's just so many ways you can solve a problem in a, in nice ways. There's only so many for products, right? So we should all just use every, just attach pod to whatever. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have another microphone over here called a pod mic. So there you <laughs> <maybe> go. <related. laughs> it it should be called mic pod and it would have made more sense. Yeah. No, I, I, I feel reasonably happy with the name and uh, i i had some friends help me with the branding and stuff and i think that turned out great too so yeah i, I think it works well it, the hardest part of but there's always a couple of hard things in computer science and programming right it was like caching and threading i think is another one that you're here but also naming one naming things is probably one of the hardest ones yeah probably we we, we started a new project that we hope to finish up soon and I think that one took about two two weeks and we've only spent one week on the project actually doing work because we're like, well, what do you want to call it? Because we have to do like create the project template and we cannot do that without a name. Okay, we'll just come up with something right now. <laughs> right. Yes, I'm server pod obviously just I just spent like a day or like a couple of hours writing down ideas for names. And it's not just you need a good name, you need something that isn't used already too that's makes it even harder right oh yeah so many so many companies come up with a name and then they they like they they want then they want to buy the domain name from somebody and then they the the guy is just like oh i see i've parked this domain name for a long time this is good for me <laughs> i see that coming in yeah i think that happens a lot okay uh again thanks for having thanks sorry thanks for coming on uh, I appreciate your your time and uh, sorry to keep you waiting and everybody else who joined the show and the audience, keep you guys waiting. Uh, looking forward to this episode coming out. Hopefully it comes out around the same time so we can bring you guys some more traffic. All right, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you for having me again. And yeah, I'd love to be back with a 1.1 release too. Don't come don't come back to me without proper database migration verification, okay? <laughs> I'm I'm looking now you put that on my uh, my list. It'll be there, okay? Yeah. That's that's my requirement now. All right, fair enough. Awesome. Thanks.